right. Amen, everybody. Welcome to Sunday night service. Amen. Who's enjoying the nice, tiny little bit of a heat wave we're having out there? Who's loving it? Good answer. Good answer. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, praise God. It's all right because we've got Jesus and we can do all things through Christ who strengthened us. And we are going to make it through July and August and every other month uh, because the Lord is with us. Amen. Well, we had an awesome service this morning to kick off the Independence Weekend. And tonight is going to be great as well. So let's go ahead and stand up together. And Coffee Bar, we love it so much. It is so wonderful back there. But if we could come into the sanctuary and join the rest to the family tonight. We would really appreciate that from you. Amen. We're going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And what a great weekend to say these words. Amen. Because we are celebrating America. Let's go ahead and say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, give the Lord some praise tonight and you may be seated. Okay, we're going to go through a few announcements here, and then we will uh, get into some the rest of the service. Uh, let's see here. Uh, first of all, membership class is one week from today. So this coming Sunday night is membership class from 4 to 7 p.m. It'll be next door there in Victory Hall, and uh, I don't have the sign-up sheet here, but that's okay. It's at the info booth. If you haven't signed up and you would like to, stop by the info booth after service and get your name on there. We have a very large class. I'm pretty sure the largest we ever had. So uh, we, don't miss out on this chance though. If you've been wanting to go through membership class, this is your opportunity. So get signed up back there. And then uh, I'm going to pass this sign up sheet around because I am really excited that two weeks from tonight, we are having a church barbecue. Who's excited? Yeah. Be on Sunday night, July 16th at 6 p.m. So in in lieu of the Sunday night service, we'll be having a church barbecue. And it's going to be pitch-in style. So make sure you sign up to bring something. And we're just going to have a really good time of fellowship and uh, just really loving on each other. So anyway, uh, sign up for that. That is two weeks from tonight. And of course, the next day, the 17th, is my dad's birthday. And we're going to kind of celebrate that that evening too. So it's going to be an awesome, fun evening together. And then also on the last Sunday of July, the 30th, we're going to be having baptisms and uh, the sign up sheet for that is back there as well. So make sure you get signed up and I, you know, kind of as maybe you're on the line about uh, if you want to get baptized or not. Well, I would just encourage you that we can get that water pretty cold. And so if you're thinking like, Hey, it is super hot in Barstow and I don't have a pool. Here's your chance. We will dump Thank you, and maybe some people two or three times. So I'm just I'm throwing that out there for you. Uh, but anyway, uh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. I love you. Okay, so, <laughs> praise the Lord. Amen. All right. Well, uh, that's what's going on for the month of July, and we'll have some great stuff coming up in August also. So who knows what time it is now? 
Yes, it's happy time, which means it's time for our Sunday evening tithes and offerings. If you need an envelope, raise your hand. The ushers will get you one. We're going to look at Psalm 37 and verse 4. Psalm 37 and verse 4. Hey, the ushers told me they found a phone after this morning's service. So I'm just telling you, if anybody left a phone this morning, it is from Boost Mobile. Uh, I have your phone. So, hey, (laughs) all right, there it is. So we're going to look tonight at Psalm 37 and verse 4. And man, Psalm 37 is a wonderful, wonderful passage of scripture. The whole chapter is great. But Psalm 37 and verse 4, it says this, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. And I love that verse because, man, listen, if we delight ourselves in the Lord, it says he'll give us the desires of our heart. That's a powerful promise. And so I, anytime I share this verse, I I like to just present for your consideration, you know, delighting in the Lord, man, that, that is a whole lot of things. That's loving God. That's worshiping God. That's all sorts of things. And it also includes obeying God. If you delight yourself in the Lord, you, you're, you're obeying his word. You're going to want to do what the word of God says. And of course, that would even include the area of our finances. And so certainly if I delight myself in the Lord, I'm going to be somebody that wants to be a tither and obey God's word regarding the tithe. I'm going to be somebody that wants to be a giver and obey God's word regarding giving. And as I do that, as I delight myself in the Lord, what happens? He gives me the desires of my heart. What a powerful promise for us to stand on. And so take courage tonight that as you tithe, as you give, that you are delighting yourself in the Lord and man, good things are coming your way. Can we get an amen tonight? All right, let's stand up together and we are going to speak some words of faith over our giving this evening. Then we're going to get into some worship and pastor has a great word for us tonight from God's word. Amen. Let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. Feel free to join us at the altar tonight for worship. And let's worship the Lord together. We have been justified by faith through Jesus Christ. It's only by His grace we stand. Once bound by sin and shame, now slave to righteousness. Our faith perfected by His love. And praise the Savior, He has won. Our sin defeated through His blood. And now exalted, Jesus reigns. 
Hail the King, praise His name. While we were weak, He died, making us justified to God through all eternal days. Even in our fading flesh, our only hope and rest is found in faith that Jesus saves. Praise the Savior, He has won. Our sin defeated through His blood. Now exalted, Jesus reigns. Hail the King, praise His name. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the glory of God. While we were weak, He died, making us reconciled to God for all eternal days. Even in our fading flesh, our only hope and rest is found in faith that Jesus saves. Praise the Savior, He has won. Our sin defeated through His blood. Now exalted, Jesus reigns. Hail the King, praise His name. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the glory of God. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the glory of God. Our hope of glory is found in the one who gives great joy to sing about the love that he poured out forever lifted high. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, the gift of God given in love. Praise the Savior, He has won. Our sin defeated through His blood. Now exalted, Jesus reigns. Hail the King, praise His name. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the glory of God. Our hope of glory is found in the one who gives great joy to sing about. The love that He poured out, forever lifted high, is our Savior, Jesus Christ, the gift of God given in love. 
Praise the Savior, He has won Our sins defeated through His blood And now exalted Jesus reigns Hail the King, praise His name We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God We rejoice in the glory of God And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the glory of God. have passed away your love has stayed the same your constant grace remains the cornerstone things that we thought were dead are breathing in life again and you cause your sun to shine on darkest night for all that you've done we will pour out our love this will be our anthem song Jesus we love you Oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. The hopeless have found their hope. The orphans now have a home. All that was lost has found its place in you. And you take our weary heads and you make us strong instead. You take these rags and you make us beautiful. For all that you've done, we will pour out our love. This will be our anthem song. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one, our, our 
heart adore Jesus we love you Oh how we love you You are the one Our heart adore Our heart adore Our heart adore Our heart devotion poured out on the feet of Jesus our affection our devotion poured out on the feet of Jesus our affection our devotion poured out on the feet of Jesus, our affection, our devotion, poured out on the feet of Jesus, we love you, oh how we love you, you are the one I our hearts adore Jesus we love you Oh how we love you You are the one Our hearts adore One more time to sing our affection Our affection, our devotion Poured out on the feet of Jesus Our affection, our devotion Poured out on the feet of Jesus We love you Just sing that out Oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. One last time, just raise your voices. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we're so glad to know that you're real. That Jesus is real. Holy Spirit's real. Your word of God's real. Lord, we're grateful to know that in the times we live, you already warned us about perilous times, about the end times. 
But all, all, all the wars, all the sickness, all the fights, all the ugliness. But you told us in Matthew 16, 33, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world and you're in me. Lord, <laughs> I'm so happy. I'm so glad to know that we're in you and you're in us. And that's more than enough to win anything that comes our way in life. And also, we're grateful to know that you know our future better than we know our past. As long as we keep our eyes on you, there's no way we can lose. No matter what happens, there's no way we can lose as long as we keep our eyes on you and follow your plan for our life and stick with your word. Thank you tonight for revelation knowledge, for eyes opened, for encouragement, for light. That anyone in here or anyone watching online they're going to get some answers for what they need to do to keep on going and not quit, but to win over what it is trying to destroy their lives now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Somebody clap if they want to. I heard some clapping come somewhere, but the main thing is you're clapping for Jesus and what he's going to tell you tonight. Clapping for Jesus. I want you to open up to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Anybody ever read that verse before? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And a lot of times when I pray, I pray that, talk about how real Jesus is, how real the Father is, because the devil likes to deceive, he likes to blind, he, he, he likes you not to see what God sees, but you see what he sees by faith, and faith only comes by one way, by his word. When you say the word, what God sees about what you're facing, and you begin to speak that and act on that, there's no way you will lose. God would have to lose, and he doesn't lose. You know, I think about the greatest, the greatest victory of all time. You stop to think about it. The Son of God came to earth. He became a man just like we are, a human being. And the Bible tells us very plainly he laid down his godly powers and lived as a human being. And then he relied on faith from what the Old Testament told him that God would do for the covenant that Jesus lived under. He lived under the old covenant on earth. Did you know that? New covenant wasn't here. It's an old covenant man. And under the old covenant, he lived under the old covenant. And then when it come time to give up his life for us, he freely laid his life down. Now get this, this victory. Satan started off in heaven. He was Lucifer. And he thought he was some big shot. He just got a big head out of it. And he talked to a bunch of the angels and told them, I'm going to exalt my throne above God's. How many want to follow me? And so then God said, okay, everybody's going to follow him. Get over here. The rest of you get over here. And then Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, behold, I saw Satan fall as lightning. God kicked him out and a third of the angels. That's the demons. And so then you talk about a hatred. He hated God before, but how much more now? He got kicked out of heaven. Come down to earth, tried to take over the Garden of Eden. And God kicked him out again. And so then Jesus come along as God on the earth in an earth suit, took our sins, and then, Psalms 22, on the cross, Jesus said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was the plan, to take all the sin and become sin. 
And then Jesus went down to hell for three days, three nights. And Satan thought, oh boy, I got it made now. God really did forsake him. Because he didn't know the plan. Because Satan cannot have revelation knowledge. And so then Jesus then took the keys of hell and of death from Satan. He came back up triumphant. And then he was multiplied. Every time somebody receives Jesus, then there's little Christ-like ones on the earth. We're called Christians. And so Satan hates you, not because of what color you are, not because of where you live, not because of who you know or how much money you got. He hates you because you're a mockery to him of what he gave up. He's seeing Jesus every time he sees you. And Jesus said, in my name, you cast out devils just like I did. In my name, you heal the sick just like I did. In my name, the works that I did, you'll do greater. Because I go to the Father. Amen? And so that's why, and when you get that revelation that Satan hates you, not because how good looking you are or how ugly you are. He hates you because he looks at you, he sees what he gave up and what Jesus did. Amen? And so, get a hold of that. Now we're going to talk tonight. The title of the message is, Are You a Winner or a Whiner? Are You a Winner or a Whiner? And I wrote this down a few minutes ago. It's, it's kind of a playoff of an old thing we've always heard Pastor Dave quote this morning. I wrote this down. A winner never whines and a whiner never wins. Amen. A winner never whines and a whiner never wins. And I realize that I'm kind of in the same flow that Pastor Dave is about teaching on grown-ups. And uh, I, I want to say this as we look at the things we're doing. As a pastor for a lot of years... Been around a lot of people in a lot of horrible situations sometimes. People get bad diagnosis, family splits, and things like that happen. I've noticed the voice of a winner doesn't have wine in it. I'm not talking about drinking. I'm talking about whining. You know, I've noticed over the years when people are going through something, I can tell up front if they're going to make it through or not by how they talk. Well, Pastor, you know what? Glory to God. I'll just tell you what, I want to give you a praise report. Up here in the prayer line a lot of times. The doctor just diagnosed this, that hallelujah, I know the word of God, what it says, and I know this is not the end. It's the beginning of a great testimony. Somebody else comes up here. Pastor, I know what we teach here, but I stubbed my toe, and I'm afraid they're going to have to cut it off. Do you notice the difference? People, People get laid off from a job. Somebody said, Pastor, you know what this? This is an opportunity for promotion. I want to do better. I want to have a better job anyway. I was always afraid to quit. But glory to God, they made the choice for me. So now I'm going for it. Somebody else. Pastor, will you pray for me and my family? We've only got about $25,000 stored up. And I just got laid off. And I don't know how long that's going to last us. I'm afraid we're going to lose everything. But I believe in Jesus. Can you see the difference? I've seen people like that over the years. And see, what I want to look at some things tonight that I think will help you if you get this into your system. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith, it is what? Impossible to please him. Who's the him? Him's God. Him's Jesus. And so I always like to look at that in reverse. That with faith, it's always possible to please him. With faith, it's always possible to please him. 
It says, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He's our rewarder. And so I want to say this, as born-again believers, when we receive Jesus by faith, and it has to be by faith because Jesus died 2,000 years ago. He walked there 2,000 years ago, and by faith we believe there really was a man named Jesus. By faith we believe that Jesus really did live a sinless life. We believe that Jesus really did take the punishment for all mankind. We believe that Jesus really did not stay dead. He was raised up, he's in heaven, and that's called faith. So automatically, you're a winner, and you're pleasing God because you're born again. Do a better preaching than you are shouting. Now get a hold of that. Automatically, because you're born again, in God's eyes, you're a winner. How many people on the face of the earth that have ever lived have ever heard the gospel, yet they didn't believe it? Well, Jesus said more disbelieved than did believe. He said, he said, the, the, the way to heaven is narrow and few there be that find it. He said, the way to hell is broad and many are on that road. And so I, I can tell you right now, I'm sitting, I'm standing in a room full of people that are winners. You know why they're winners? Because number one, God said faith pleases him. Amen. Faith pleases him. And as I, I was sitting here worshiping the Lord, I got to thinking about faith that the vein I'm taking tonight is this. And I, I just hear Dr. Summerall's voice, Lester Summerall, years ago when I was a baby Christian. He said, if you have to ask yourself if you got faith, you don't. When you're going through a situation, if you have to start questioning, am I in faith? Well, that tells you already you're in doubt. Faith is an unconscious thing. You don't even realize when you're in faith because you just live it out what's on the inside of you. When you're in faith, we're going to see some things that's going to help you. But when you're in faith, you never even think about it. I think about some of the things I've been through in life. I'm going to talk about one story in particular at the end of the lesson here that people look at you and they say, wow, how'd you do that? They say, do what? Because people see the impossible where you're looking at him. When you're looking at Jesus, you don't see the circumstances. You see Jesus. And people look at you and they say things like, you're absolutely nuts. You've lost your mind. I learned a long time ago, my mind wasn't any good anyway. I was glad to lose it. i got the mind of Christ now. The mind of Christ doesn't think like a human mind thinks. The mind of Christ always thinks when. The mind of Christ always thinks like Pastor Dave used this the other day, the Thomas Jefferson thing, or the Thomas Edison thing, that uh, all those times he tried to vent the light bulb, when people would challenge him, why don't you just give up? He said, no, sir. So far, I've found 2,221 ways that don't work. All I have to do is find the one way. And what I found out in my Christian life, when th- I've went through things, I've dug into the Word, dug into the Word, dug into the Word. I think, glory to God, this round, man, I'll win this round. Well, I got knocked down, but not knocked out. So I said, I'll find some more Word. So I dig in some more. I find some more verses. I meditate the Word of God, get it in my heart, come out of my mouth. Go back out there. There's no way this time we're going to win this one. I got knocked down. So I just got up and said, glory to God. i tell you what, there's more verses in there than there are demons. We're just going to stick with the word. We're going to come out on top of this. Amen. That, that's how faith works. And that's how a winner thinks. And so uh, if you're born again, you're born again to win. 
Amen. You know, I, I think about where I come up that phrase that years ago. Uh, I, I know there was anybody here the Hell's Angels came from California. Well, some of their cousins come to Indiana too. They're called the Outlaws. And those guys' favorite tattoo on their head, they had born to lose. And then one of them spoke at our church and he got born again. He said, I got my tattoo covered up and now mine says born again to win. And so no matter what side of the tracks you were born on, if you had tracks, didn't have tracks, you're born again now. You're not who you used to be. You're born again to win. And so I want to say this again. Are you a winner or a whiner? Pastor Dave, somebody adjust that fad a little bit. It's hit my pages too much. So I want to ask you, are you a winner or are you a whiner? Well, you, only you can answer that. But I was a whiner in 1984. I got born again in 1980. In 1984, the Lord delivered me from being a whiner. And I became a winner. And I'll show you that in a minute. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. This whole, this whole passage is good leading up to this, but verse 7 is what we want to focus on so we stay on course. It says, for we walk by faith. What does faith do? It pleases God. If we live by faith, we're living a life that pleases God. We walk by faith, not by sight. In my Bible years ago, I, I always, every time I get into the Bible, write this. I live by the word, not by my senses. I live by the word, not by my senses. If faith comes by hearing... And hearing by the word of God, if we're going to live by faith, we're going to live by hearing the word of God. We're going to live by speaking the word of God. We're going to live by acting on the word of God because no matter what you're praying or what you think you're believing for, if you don't have scripture to back it up, you're not living by faith. You're living by hope. You're living by dreaming. But when you got the word of God to stand on, you're absolutely in solid territory and I want to say it again. He said, faith pleases him. So when you're a believer, no matter what you're facing, whether it's job things, family things, health things, money things, whatever it is, if you've got Bible verses that you've got in your heart, speaking out of your mouth, that Jesus is looking down and saying, that believer's pleasing me. They're pleasing me because they are living by faith. They're speaking the word of God. And it becomes a, I want to say it again, it becomes an unconscious thing. You don't even think about it. No matter what comes your way, the first thing out of your mouth is the word of God for that situation. That's always the first thing. If you have to stop and think, like like Pastor Dave said this morning, if you're going through the crisis and then all of a sudden you realize, well, I've always heard those sermons, but I never did really like to open my Bible. I carried a phone or whatever I did, there's verses on it. I do a nice, nice little devotion every day. A nice little devotion is not going to beat cancer. A nice little devotion is not going to get you out of bankruptcy. A nice little devotion is not going to put your family back together. you got to get a little more serious than that. You've got to get some things working in you to where you don't even think about it. It just comes out. The first thing at the side of crisis should always be, what's the word say? What's the word say? You get a telephone call. You get a text. You get an email. You get a knock on the door. Or somebody shows up to confront you face to face on the inside of you when you're a person of faith automatically on the inside of you, you should meet and think, what's the Bible say? What's the Bible say? 
And when you're thinking that way, then you're a person of faith because that's your subconscious. That's your spirit begin to talk to you. What's the word say? I know that uh, what I used to do all the time, I uh, before I was born again, I used to be a, a, a Star Trek guy. You know, the TV show Star Trek. I don't know anything about the Star Wars. A lot of people watch that, but that was after my time. But I remember that I, 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 they talk about these memory banks on there. What's in the memory banks? Well, I would look up and I'd say, Jesus, what's in my Holy Ghost memory banks on that? If I didn't have anything in her on that, guess what I did? I started digging in research until I found what I put in there. And then the next time that thing would knock on my door, I looked down there and say, Holy Ghost, what we got in there? And it would come right up. That, that's why when I teach the Bible, no matter what the subject, pretty much, I could all of a sudden have a dozen scriptures come out just like that because I put them in and they come out. But then in life, when crisis hits, they come out because they're in there. Amen? And so when I speak those, guess what? I'm not whining. It's not, well, you know what the doctor said. It's glory to God. I'll tell you what, we're getting ready for another testimony. Well, 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 you know, you don't have that much money. Well, I know what the Word of God says. I'm a tither. Dave I was rebuked. I support missions. He supplies all my need. So I like to say, Lord, I don't know where. But I don't know when. You said supply all my need. And this it needs today. Or this needs a week from tomorrow. So I want to thank you that by the time that comes, your word says I got it. Doesn't that beat whining? Amen. Amen. And when you make that shift to where you quit whining, when you see challenges as an opportunity to prove God's faithfulness, you'll quit whining. And then the good thing about it, once you get a few victories under your belt, it's easy then because to start boasting on God. See, might as well start bragging on him now. Amen. Bragging on his word, how good he is. And so we walk by faith, not by sight. How do we walk by faith? We live by feeding on God's word to become second nature to us. To become second nature. And we train ourselves to run on automatic pilot. We train ourselves to run on automatic pilot. We train ourselves, and that's what we're going to focus on, not to run on automatic pilot. That means... And this may be a foreign language to somebody, but if you've been around her very long, it ought to at least resonate a little bit. That means we live out of our spirit and not our soul. When you begin to live out of your spirit and not your soul, you're on automatic pilot. And what does that mean? Well, your soul involves your mind, your will, and your emotions. When it comes to me talking about the things of God, I never say, well, you know what? I had a thought. I think God was talking through my head. God doesn't talk to your head. God's a spirit. For the minister led by the spirit of God, does the spirit of God live in your head or in your heart? If God's going to lead you, he doesn't lead you by thoughts. You might have some good positive thoughts because if you feel the word of God, you're a positive person. When God begins to speak to you, you're going to have that inward witness. You're going to know that you know down here. And so the way I say things is this. Well, you know what? This situation, I feel led to do this. And where's the lead come from? Led by the Spirit of God on the inside of here. Because your mind, your mind, unless it's highly renewed, will tell you things opposite of God's Word. You ever heard the expression, I don't get mad, I get even? Well, that's something people's minds have been trained on. I know back in Indiana years ago, 
they used to, it was a really popular, we didn't, we didn't have to have license plates on the front of our cars. They were just empty, so you could put whatever you want to. It got to be where a lot of the old people were ha- having these license plates said, I spent my children's inheritance. I spent my grandchildren's inheritance. I thought, well, that's totally opposite of the Word of God. The Word of God says that a godly man leaves an inheritance to his children's children even. And so, so many things that Christians have fell for a lot of dopey stuff because they're led by their head, not by the Spirit of God in their heart. And so when you begin to live out of your spirit, then you put your soul on the back burner. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your emotions are a very good thing if they don't overwhelm you. God made crying in hard times a, a release so you don't lose your mind. But if you're led by crying and every time something hits you, then you're not led by your spirit. You're not led by what's in there. And your emotions. If you get, if you're led by Pastor Dave talking about happiness, difference between happiness and joy. Joy is a spiritual force through the spirit, and that's the difference between happiness. You can lose everything you've got in life and still have the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord's your strength. And when you begin to live by the joy of the Lord, you're living by your spirit. People look at you and say, man, How's this man still living? How's he still standing? How's he going through this? But when you've trained yourself, automatic pot, you live out of your spirit, you know this is a crying time, and then get over it. Amen. Because you can't fight. You're led by your soul and emotions all the time. And so faith is something you're not really conscious of. You just live it. And I want to teach you three things, real simple, that are acts of faith. That when they become automatic to you, will put you over the top no matter what comes in your life, anytime, anywhere. These three things. It's just one simple verse. And we've talked about a lot here. But I want to look at tonight and just make it very real to you. First Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. First Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. It's a short verse, but this needs to be programmed into your heart to control your mind, control your actions. And when you unconsciously have this interwoven into your life, you'll never lose again. Never lose again. First Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, 18 says... Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So I I want you to notice there that he said, Rejoice, pray, give thanks. That's the attitude of a winner. That's the attitude of a winner. A winner is always rejoicing, not crying about the past. Always rejoicing. And a simple, simple way to explain rejoicing that I heard years ago that I think is still good. No matter what you're going through, Satan wants you to see the problem. He wants to magnify the people that are against you and make you forget the ones that are for you. He wants you to look at everything you don't have. And not see what you do have. When you rejoice, 
You go back and you think about past victories that gave you joy. Like, you know, for, for myself, I, I think about, I don't want to keep on talking about Pastor Dave, but I think about when you got a three and a half year old son, he goes crippled, gets leukemia. That's a pretty, that's a pretty serious hit. And in times past, when Mrs. Pastor and I would go through things in life years and years later, and Satan would tell us, it's over. You won't do it this time. You're going to lose this one. We start having joy again. We've just stand around our table, sit on the couch. We said, Lord, I want to thank you that when Satan tried to kill my son, when Satan tried to end his life, that you came through, you lifted him up off that table. He started dancing in that hospital. Those doctors told us his blood was healed. It was whole. He had no leukemia. He was healed. Lord, what I started doing, I started heating up the joy again. Started heating up the joy again. And the different things you've had in your life, whatever some of the biggest victories you've had, would look like an absolute disaster and God came through. That's how you rejoice. You don't look about how bad it is. And by the time you, or if you're married, got a family, whatever, by the time you begin to start talking to Jesus, and that's what the Bible means. It says magnify the Lord. Well, you can magnify the Lord and talk about him more and how great he is, or you can magnify the problem. And then you'd be like those spies in the book of Numbers that said, well, we're like grasshoppers at our own site. They're all giants, and we're just little nothings. We're worms. We're nobody. Well, when you start rejoicing, you're magnifying the Lord. And the Lord gets bigger, and the giants get smaller, so then all of a sudden you realize Satan is under my feet. And he's out there saying, I'm going to huff and puff and blow your house down. Say, devil, you are defeated. What are you talking about? Man, get out of here. I'm just going to go praise the Lord. And because of what you're trying to do, I'm going to go out and witness the people today. I'm getting some people saved. Amen. Amen. Or I'm going to go down to the hospital. I'm going to pray for some people today. Amen. That When you begin to rejoice, all of a sudden, your joy becomes your strength. And when your strength rises up, that means the Holy Ghost in you is getting stirred up. And you're stirred yourself. And how are you going to lose if you quit whining? And start talking about how big Jesus is. And then remind yourself and the devil of what he already did in the past. Satan, you couldn't take him out. He's going to grow up and be a preacher. That's the way it is. You thought you would had him? No, you don't. And then all the other times in our lives he's tried things, we just begin to rejoice and talk about what God's already done. And then what do you do? Man, you just go walk and shout the victory and the wine is behind you. Let, let, me, let, me, let me tell you this. You ought to start doing a wine check. Every time in your life when something hits you, you ought to stop and examine, how did I respond to that? Did I whine? Did I cry? Did I complain? Or did I talk about how good Jesus is? Did I talk about how big God is and how this is nothing compared to God? What did I do? If you start seeing you got more whining than winning in your attitude, you better do a checkup. You better find what you got to do. Hey man, is this, is this helping anybody? Look at how you talk about things. I'll guarantee you that one little nugget I gave you at the start, I got it right, sitting right there, that a winner never whines. And a whiner never wins. And I don't know about you, but years ago, I found out as much as I love everybody, I do not want to be around a whining Christian. Man, a whining Christian will steal your faith. And I, I learned... That when you're around lost people and sinners, people don't know God, you've automatically got your faith shield up because you're not expecting anything good much to come out of their mouths. 
But when your guard's down and you're around Christians and all the dirt's whining, unconsciously, you're losing your faith. It's going down, 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 like let their elbow balloon. And doesn't, maybe doesn't love people. There's just some people I'd rather you hang out with than me. <laughs> I'm just joking about that. But uh, you want to hang around winners and you want to help whiners. But if all you hang around is the whiners, then you're never going to win. Amen. Well, that's enough on that. That's pretty good preaching, I thought. Anyway, uh, look at verse 17 then. Verse 17 says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. And that simply means talking to Jesus, talking about Jesus to the Father when you're praying, and fellowshipping with the Father, being sensitive to the Holy Ghost. And I'm thinking about Paul, these things Paul's talking about here, that uh, he was a man that didn't live on Easy Street. He was a man with a lot of things that nobody could ever imagine, the horrors of what he faced. But I want you to look at Second Corinthians chapter 1 and this is the attitude we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 10 this is the attitude of a winner this is the attitude of somebody that's chosen to live by faith and not by sight verse 8 Paul said, for we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia. And, you know, as faith people, sometimes we don't want to acknowledge that we're going through something. But I've told you so many times, faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. If you're denying, if you're denying they're about to take your car because you didn't make your payment, then you're not in faith. You're in fear and you're in denial. If you're, if you're in if, if you're denying a medical report you got, then you're in denial. You're not in faith. Faith acknowledges there's a war going on. We're in the battle. Now we're going to fight. And it does something. So Paul said he didn't want you ignorant of the troubles in in Asia. says we were pressed out of measure. Above strength in so much that we despaired even of life. And you know what I would call that? I would say a suicide spirit was trying to get on Paul. Said so we despaired to even live. We thought, what's the use? What are we going to do? There's so much said we're being hit from every side. Man, nothing else bad could happen. I've been through seasons where for months I thought nothing else bad could happen, but it did. And then think, man, glory to God, that's the bad as it's ever going to get. Thank you, Jesus. We got the victory. Praying all the verses, speaking all the verses, saying and praising all we know to do. And all of a sudden, wham, here comes another hit. Here comes another hit. Here comes another hit. But we never whined. Now listen to what Paul did as we read this. He said, hey man, these things are all going on. He said, we had the, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Now look at this. In my Bible, I've got red around this. I got yellow through it. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. And so things we've been through, financial things, church things, health things, all the things we've always waited about. We can't trust ourselves. We've got to trust God. Amen. You see what I'm saying? See the attitude. And so he said that we have the sentence of death. We don't trust ourselves, but in God we trust. 
Now, I want you to see something here in verse 10. This is what I want you to see about the attitude of a winner. He said, who delivered us from so great a death. Delivered us is past tense. Right there is a big faith confession. That's a rejoicing right there. God's already delivered us before. We've been down these roads before. This is nothing new to us. We faced problems. We faced mean people. We've been through financial hardship. We've had a lot of things going on. But guess what? I rejoice that he delivered me. Amen. You always rejoice. And then look at this. A faith confession. And he does deliver. He says he has. Past tense. Present tense. He does deliver. He's still delivering today. Jesus Christ is saved yesterday, today, and forever. You see the faith confession there. He said he's already done it. He's doing it now. Now look at this. In whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Past tense. Present tense. Future tense. That's the attitude of a winner. There's no wine in there. And you know, there's an old saying, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And that's the way I've always looked at the challenges of life. And uh, man, I never want another great testimony. But glory to God, if a big tack comes, I'm going to have another great testimony. That's the way it works. You know why? Because I identify with Paul. I'm not going to be a whiner. He said, we got the sense of death in us. We despair of life right now. If we lived out of our head and not our spirit, I just want to end it all. I say, Jesus, I'm, I'm ready to come to heaven. Get me out of here. All these people lie about us. They want to stone us. They defame us. They go on social media and talk bad about us or whatever they do like that. He said, man, I can't take anymore. But he said, I'm not going to trust in me. I'm going to trust in God. Said he's already delivered me in the past. And he said, I believe he's delivered me today through this. And I believe no matter what comes my way, he's always going to deliver me. Amen. You said I'm saying, I'm talking about the difference between winning and whining. And I want to ask you the question again. Are you going to choose to be a winner or a whiner? Amen. I choose to be a winner. I choose not to be a whiner. And if I happen to slip over into being a whiner, I'd hope my wife would slap me silly. No, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Not, not really. It's good to have a good help meet. Sometimes if you're married, it's good to have one and you need each other to help each other. But I can tell you, if you're going to be a whiner about what you're facing, not do what Paul did, start bragging on God, then you're not going to win. Is anybody here? Don't, don't hold your hands up. Is anybody here facing anything serious in life right now? Just between you and God. But if you are, guess what? Uh, the religious people say, well, everything happens for a reason. You're here for a reason tonight. God is showing you what to do tonight to turn this thing around and get you out of Winerville back into, into Winterville. And so anyway, uh, you rejoice and you pray. And I want to say it again, prayer is simply having a conversation with God, having a conversation with Jesus. All my Christian life, I've always, 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 since the day I found out he was real, uh, my wife sleeps beside me in bed nearly every night. As for 40, almost 41 years, she's heard the same thing every night. As we tell each other good night, I always look up to heaven. I've done this since I got born again. The day I got born, I say, good night, Father. Good night, Jesus. Good night, Holy Ghost. I'll see you in the morning. I've done that all my Christian life. And it's, it's more than just a habit. It's real to me. 
it keeps it real to me to know that I'm really talking to somebody, that when I'm praying, I'm not praying so a man will hear me. That's why when I'm up here praying, when I go to praying, I close my eyes. I don't want to see you. I want to step into the throne room and talk to him about you and talk to him about me so he can use me to help you. I remember, uh, this story is one of the things, but I just, I just remember making a, real, a, a story, uh, how, how real this prayer life is to me. Uh, back in Martinsville, years and years and years ago, we was at a restaurant one day, and I saw these deputy sheriffs sitting in another room of restaurant. It turns out the police ate over there. And I was a new guy in town, new pastor, you know, one in my town. And all of a sudden, I looked over there, and I have probably a half a dozen deputies sitting at this table. All of a sudden, this one, a light came on his face. He kind of lit him up. And in my heart, I heard God say this, you're going to need him. He's going to need you. I'm going to hook you up with him. A little bit later, I went to the restroom. He was in there. We just said hi to each other like that. And he said, you know, I said, whatever we said anyway. So I'm Pastor Sample. He said, I'm so-and-so. Told me his name like that. Well, then later on, that man ran for sheriff. And he won. And I got a phone call from a church member that knew him. and said, hey, Pastor, uh, the, the, the new sheriff called for a prayer meeting at the library. He wants you to come and pray. And I thought, oh, and I'm not so sure I knew who he was. You know, it just, uh, anyway, I got to the library, and when I got down there, you had all the religious people in there doing the religious stuff, you know how they pray, they got their thing written out, oh, thou most high, thou this, doest this, doest that, and just all the religious words, and then he looked over at me, and he said, Pastor, would you pray? And I said, well, Sheriff so-and-so, I said, what do you want prayer for? And he said, no more murders on my watch. We'd had a murder epidemic in our county. I mean, man, there's lots and lots of people getting killed. And so when he said that, I mean, I I, I didn't want to be there because I've always been kind of bashful about those things. When he said that, I'm sitting at the back of the room, I just closed my eyes. And then I closed my eyes and prayed like I do when I talk to Jesus. That's the only way I can pray in public. i got to close my eyes so I don't see people. I see Jesus. And man, the next thing I know, I close my eyes. I said, Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus. And he got all the religious people probably don't even believe in the devil. I said, I bind you in Jesus' name, you spirit of murder. That's it. I said, he's the highest authority in this county. He's the county sheriff. I said, I got authority here because Jesus put me here. And I'm telling you right now, cease and desist. And I heard people kind of get down the way. <gasps> like that. And I don't know what all I prayed about. I mean, I, I didn't I didn't pray. I said, oh, Jesus, if thou lest will. If that is, if it be thy will, I did what I do. I closed my eyes and I prayed. And I can tell you this, for his tenure, we didn't have one murder. Their murders immediately ceased and desisted. Amen. And so I'm telling you about praying. If you have a prayer life in private, that's a personal hookup with Jesus. When you get in public, then it'll come out of you in public. I remember... Oh, I can't go into all these stories, but sometimes things help people. We had a lady at our church here was at St. Mary's Hospital several years ago. Had some surgery for something. Mrs. Pastor, I went down to see her in the middle of the afternoon and went up and prayed with her, come down, we get ready to walk out the door. And all of a sudden, the hospital people start stopping everybody at the door, wouldn't let us out. Said, what's going on? Said, we got a man for gun, a shooter out in the parking lot. Well, everybody's woo-hoo-hoo, getting over the corner. I went over there for about 30 seconds. And then I realized greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. 
And so all these people were cowering in fear. And I just walked as close as I could by getting in trouble towards the window. I just stopped. I said, Satan, in Jesus' name, I bind you from murder, death, destruction in this realm here. I paralyze you in the name of Jesus. I said, Father, I'm asking you to end this now. No policeman shot, nobody else shot. And then this person with the gun, just getting arrested and him not being shot. Take care of this. I don't think it was more than a minute or two. All of a sudden, they start saying, all clear, all clear. And when we got outside, there was probably a hundred police cars out there. They were from everywhere and had a guy sit in the backseat of a police car and stopped just like that. But the reason those things happen is because I pray without ceasing. I pray without ceasing. I think I live my life like I heard a man say years ago. There's a really uh, very, very anointed man of God. Somebody asked him one time, said, man, I bet you pray for hours and hours and hours. How long do you pray? And he said, I don't think I've ever prayed over 15 minutes. But I don't go 15 minutes without praying. And so that's kind of the way I've lived my life for all these years. I just talk to Jesus all the time. And then I'm in a situation where something happens. I just do what I do all the time anyway. See, that time at that hospital, I would have done that privately anyway, but that was the time to do it publicly because I jumped up there and did that. Then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, must have been a few Christians up in the crowd. They go, yeah, amen, amen, that's right. <laughs> Pray without ceasing. And now verse 18, First Thessalonians 5.18, we will close on this one. It says, 5.18, it says, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You notice he didn't say it every, for everything, give thanks. You do not thank God that somebody in your family's in trouble. You don't thank God that the devil's trying to kill you with something. You don't thank God you're about to lose your car. It says, in everything, give thanks. This is the will of God. You thank him for what he's doing. You thank him for the victory you have through Jesus. You thank him for the power that said that name. You thank him. And so you need to be thankful all the time. I'm talking about automatic pilot. These things I'm talking about, well, I guess those situations I told you about, that's automatic pilot to be kicked in because I live out of my spirit. So you'd be thankful all the time. And Jesus taught me to never whine and complain about what I don't have, but to always be thankful about what I do have. I want you to look at Deuteronomy 28, verse 47 48, and this is where we're closing at. <laughs> I wrote some things down about this here I'm going to tell you. It's just it's just amazing. Out of these verses right here is what I was transformed from a whiner into a winner. I'm going to read this, and this is part of the curse of you know if you if you read Galatians chapter three, you know we're redeemed from the curse. Okay, here's part of the curse. Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart. Talk about joy. Talk about being thankful for the abundance of all things. Therefore, thou shalt thou serve thine enemies. And so, with those verses right there in the summer of 1984, I just wrote down a few of the things that were going on at the time when the Lord gave those to me every day till I finally got it. Summer of 84. I was laid off from the trucking job I'd had since the 1960s. 
I was laid off. I had a brand new car I bought right before I got laid off. And it turned out that was a lemon year on the car I had. Transmission was out. Engine was out. It was across the country thing. There ended up being a class action lawsuit all across America concerning that car. And so that car was broken sitting down out there. We had another car. It was an old, old car, but it worked okay. So that car was out there, broke it off. We had no food. Didn't even have a refrigerator. Didn't have kitchen cabinets. Didn't have a kitchen table. Had a little cooler. But we got stuff we put it in. And we had at that point in time, we had Joshua and four, four other kids. So we had those things. And I lived in a house that was built on top of a snake place. The basement had water about two feet deep in it. That's all we could afford to rent when I got laid off. Lived in this house. And in that water was snakes. Not just a couple snakes. Snakes everywhere. And in the middle of that basement, there was a wooden beam. And on that wooden beam, there was an old-fashioned fuse box. And we didn't have much money. They didn't have all the regulations back then they've got now. And so the guy I rented off of was a sergeant for the police department. And so I guess he got by with what he wanted to get by with. But we didn't have any money anyway. Just need a place to live. And so he showed me these fuses and said, if things blow, just go down to the basement to change the fuse. And so we lived in this place. I walked through the water. I walked through the snakes. And I don't think I'd do that today. But back then, I did that. I think I'd have something more sense and faith or something. But <laughs> anyway, we lived in that place there. What else did I write down here? Uh, we had no heating oil come winter time. And heating oil, California, they don't do those things. But back there, back back east, we still got furnaces that run off heating oil. And that's like diesel fuel. And so I didn't have money to heat the house. And I had a friend that had a five-gallon can and found out diesel was close to heating oil. So I'd have to drive way up the road to a truck stop. I get five gallons of diesel every few days. I come back to the snake house with my family inside. Didn't have anything. I climb up on top of this thing and pump this diesel in there, get that thing going again for a while. And then while this is going on, somehow or another, wild dogs got attracted to the old goofy house. And so with the no money that we didn't have, we called, we called the sheriff. We did have a telephone. We called the sheriff. Because that's what you, what you call it there in the country. and said, hey, man, there's a wild dog out here terrorizing us and our kids. And they said, we don't deal with dogs. All we can do, if you can rope it and tie it up, we'll send somebody from animal control to come out and get it. But you got to catch it and tie it up. We didn't have money for food. So we went to the store, and they didn't have all the dollar generals or anything. So we gave our last couple of dollars to the clothesline. Caught this stupid dog. Tied it up. I don't know how we did that. I guess that, like walking through snakes, you just do it. Got it tied up. We called the sheriff. The sheriff didn't get there for a few hours. By then, the stupid dog already tore up our rope there with our food. Tore the rope up, and it was gone. So then after the sheriff came, then the dog came back. I guess I knew how to watch out for the sheriff. So the dog comes back. So our car that did work, we had a piece of meat. Opened the trunk. Threw the meat in there, stood back, and then the dog jumped in to get the meat, so we threw it in there, and then we was able to get rid of the dog. That's the kind of life, that's what we was going through. Going through all those things like that, and then on top of all that, where the house was, 
was the middle of a cattle ranch that had 600 cows. And so we were surrounded by cows. And here's where the Lord gave me that verse. I would sit there at our dining room table, praying, reading my Bible, wanting work, couldn't get work, wanting work, wanting food, etc. I see those cows out there every day. The farmer would bring these great big old tractors over, had this great big old round thing. They put, they put grain in it and hay and all kinds of stuff. And he'd feed them, must have been 50 or 100 at a time. These cows would go out there, man, they just all mooing and eat until they got full and walk away. And I started whining every day. I wait for the cows to come and eat. And I say, Jesus, this ain't right. I said, those cows are eating and they're going to be hamburger at McDonald's. I really said that to him because that's how I, you know, I talked. I said, this ain't right. I said, we don't have food. We don't have anything. And we tithe. We belong to you. My kids are hungry. We're hungry. Why are the cows getting fed? We're not getting fed. Does that sound like faith to you? Sound like whining to me. And then all of a sudden he started to give me this. Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. Then he said this, you'll never have all things. And then next day, we go through the whining episode. Here come the cows again. Here comes the wine again. I wasn't a winner, I was a whiner. He said, because thou servest not the Lord thy God, with joyfulness and gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, said you'll never have all things. After about a week of him giving that to me every day, and I keep a journal. So every day I wrote those words down in my journal. And finally, all of a sudden it dawned on me, duh. See what I started doing? Lord, I want to thank you in the name of Jesus. That you supply all of our need. I want to thank you. We've always got more than enough. I thank you, Lord. We got food. We got abundance. We got more than enough. Lord, I want to thank you. My car is fixed. I want to thank you, Lord. You're taking care of everything. And that's when he taught me to start being thankful for what I do have and not whine about what I don't have. In that season, I got delivered from being a whiner. Amen. I cut the grass. I did have a lawnmower. I cut the grass. I cannot tell you how many snakes I killed every time I cut grass. Absolutely true story. I just started going through the grass and the snakes. Tails, heads, snakes flew everywhere. That's the absolute truth. Went through those things, but during that season, I was transformed from a whiner to being a winner. And so I want to tell you, for wherever you are in life, whining does not please God. Faith pleases God. And so I'm an automatic pilot. If anything comes across my life, I start thanking the Lord for how good he is. I start rejoicing for what he's done. And I'm talking to him. So those three things there, if you'll get those in you, an automatic pilot, you don't even think about it. People start widening around you, you just start praising God. Just start speaking victory like that. And I promise you, no matter how big the attack is, the testimony is going to be bigger. Amen. That's it. Amen. Praise God, I'm delivered from the snake house. <laughs> and I did not have to learn the shocking truth when I changed those fuses. <laughs> Are you preaching to me? All right. All right. Uh, now here's the one that taught me everything I know that oh, she learned from Jesus.
He forgot to tell you the part that this was a two-story house and a demon lived upstairs. (laughs) You forgot about that. And we would see this black form, you know, going up and down the stairs. You know, (laughs) we thought, you stupid thing, you know. Just take authority over and get it out of the house. And we saw that thing kind of in the spirit. We saw that thing whimpering away. You know, like, do I really have to go? Yeah, you have to go. Well, think about think about that demon was up there. I know somebody got killed up there. What happened? But our kids had to sleep in the bedroom next to that place, and because of where we walked, we don't have fear. We just walk, we ignored it for about a week or two, and then the kids were crying because that. I mean, it was obvious it was there. I mean, we, we we didn't just imagine something. We saw the blackness moving around, and so finally one day I thought that's enough. These kids have got to get some sleep. So I just walked up there, walked into the room. Satan, in the name of Jesus, not your house anymore. Time to go. In Jesus' name, get out the door. So I saw a little black thing moving. I just walked to the front door, just kind of going like that. Kind of kicking my foot. Walked out the door. And I saw the thing go out the door. Never came back again. And then the kids began to sleep like believers. Got rid of it. But that, that's life. That's life. All right. Well, praise the Lord, Josh up there. Well, I just know that I, I preached a real-life sermon to you. I told you some real-life things. And I think the main number one thing that I want to get into you out of that lesson is learn to live an automatic pilot. Man, get this stuff in your heart so good that your mind's out of the way. If an attack comes, you immediately. You're in war mode, and the war mode is not attacking people or whining and complaining. Jesus, I want to thank you how good you are. I want to praise you and thank you and find out what kind of word of God's in your heart and begin to speak it out of your mouth and just begin to praise him and thank him for what you have. The devil try to just say, hey, everybody else has got more. It's not fair for where you live, what color you are, what whatever you are like that. It's not fair. He said, Jesus, you're fair, you're good, and you're the one that's got it. I just want to praise you and thank you that you're everything to me. You begin to live like an automatic pilot. No matter what your education is, what your finances are, God's going to start showing them your life in such a big way. People are going to come to you and say, would you pray for me? I want what you got. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, if you need prayer for anything, I know we got a church full of believers tonight, so I know you're believers. So if you need prayer for anything, I want, I want to say this because it's real. Don't ever, ever, ever be afraid to come up with prayer for what people might think about you. You're the one has to go home and sleep with you tonight. You're the one has to look you at the mirror in the morning. And so there's an anointing here right now for helping people. And so no matter what it is, you come up here, nobody knows what you're wanting prayer for anyway. You can be praying for Aunt Susie. And so if you need prayer, don't think, well, what do they think? Who cares what they think? What matters is you. You have to live with you. And you want to leave here walking in victory and start winning. Amen. So if you need prayer, come on up and we'll be glad to help you. And Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. And you are the one I our hearts adore Jesus we love you Oh how we love you 
right. Praise God. Well, was everybody blessed tonight? Amen. Do we receive the word of God? Who here is a winner? Yeah. Any whiners in the house? Oh, good job. You passed the test. All right. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and close things out tonight. It's been an awesome Sunday together in the house of the Lord. Remember that we got service Wednesday night. It's going to be incredible. And this coming weekend, uh, Sunday night is membership class. And then the Sunday night after that is the big church barbecue night. So we're going to have a great time of fellowship and just being together like a big family. We absolutely love it. Amen. Well, we'll go ahead and close out in prayer. Do our Barstow Faith Confession, and then you're dismissed tonight. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we have seen in the Word of God tonight. And we choose, Lord, to be winners because we know that according to Hebrews 11:6, 6, that if we've got faith, Lord, that pleases you. And so, Lord, we know that as we have our faith, we're pleasing you, and we know that you are absolutely rewarding those who diligently seek you. Use us this week uh, to be the light of the world everywhere we go. And we thank you, Jesus. We're coming back together safely next time. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Amen. All right. Let's speak some words of faith over Barstow. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you Wednesday.